following presentation was recorded live by the Jewish Ethics Institute. Okay, so uh, today's topic is the Clippers. By the way, no one ever corrected me. I was sending out the Lakers and the Hawks. But you didn't correct me. The Clippers and the Hawks. Um, well, we just thought that the uh, the Hawks are from the southeast, which is Alabama, Atlanta, Alabama. Area. There's much more races than that. It's true. So anyway, we're going to talk about, um, as you know, it's been in the news a lot this past couple of months, which is the many uh, NBA teams, national teams, not only NBA, and various sports teams that uh, the owners were accused of racism or caught on tape making racist statements by their mistresses. So the lesson is never have a mistress. Um, but, uh, Can we leave it as perceived racist remarks? Yeah, we're going to... Yeah, yeah, there's a development about what you're going to talk. There was a development last night. Yeah. She well, went back to the house. She went back to the house. I saw that. I saw that. The wife called the cops. Yeah. Can you have a mister instead of a miss? Miss Bowles. We're not going there. Okay. Sarah Kipper. What is a mister? Have a mistress. Okay. So, so the the question really is, we're not going to. I mean, obviously. As Alan mentioned, is it's really perceived racist statements, and we need to know was it racist or not. We're not going to define uh, racism here. Um, that's I think society or our society, in a certain sense, defines it. Um, might be a little more. It's gotten a little extreme as to what's considered racism today. So we're not going to necessarily go define what is considered racism. We're not. The issue is what is the Torah's perspective in general on racism. Um, specifically, and then that's generally, and then specifically uh, when it comes to cases where uh, where you have, let's say, teams such as this, national professional teams, um, where owners, what are the consequences? Are we obligated um, to protest in situations and to, as as you know, it was pretty extreme. These two owners were were forced to sell their teams, so to speak. Um, so what's the is that, uh, is that required ethically or not? Um, again, from the Torah perspective. Legally, obviously, I don't, I don't think it's a legal obligation. So legally, I mean, this most of this class is not going to be discussing legal matters in the sense of, I don't think it's a legal issue. In most cases, it's a it's going to be an ethical issue, not a legal issue, and we'll define it. And obviously, there's a big difference there. The question is still as a, and then the question becomes as an attorney, what's an attorney's responsibilities vis-a-vis um, clients who are racist or representing clients um, like that, or even um, for non-attorneys, the question is, um, does it become, should we support a team that we know um, is racist or not? Okay, with owners, do you go, can you go to the game, can you purchase season tickets, etc. Is that, again, it's not a legal question, it's an ethical question. So could a lawyer support, let's say, a Hitler on war crimes? Could a Jewish lawyer support a for the money? So that's a very good question. There is there's a the key difference there is when someone well, it's ethics period. You still yeah, no, it's, but it's a very good question. David's saying so. Anytime you represent a criminal, a mass murderer, or right, someone maybe. who's accused, or even if you know he did it, many times the lawyer will know the client committed, uh, killed another human being, but they're defending them for whatever reason. So that that's a different question in the sense of 
because that's not an ethical question. Over there, the question is, per a person committed a criminal act, he has a right to self-defense. Um, so therefore, an attorney, um, there, no, there's nothing that's what a lawyer does. He represents. He took it a step further, though. He no, okay, so let, let me just explain the difference. And then, then uh, you'll point it out. The difference, what I believe, is, is that in those cases, the person is entitled to an attorney because he committed a crime. Here, no, racism is not a crime. Um, it might be immoral, unethical, but again, it's not a crime. So the question is, someone is doing something, let's say, take cigarette smoking, for example. Um, can I, you know, represent Philip Morris in a case? So that's not a question of, they didn't commit a crime. The question is, can I help them with their business, which might be viewed as an immoral business? Okay, let's say actually I had a, a law, an attorney actually approach me. He was uh, working in a firm, got a job uh, out of law school in a firm that represents Penthouse Magazine. Okay, and uh, he, he called me up as a rabbi. He wanted to know, do I, um, you know, do I think he can work for such a firm? Is it is it unethical, maybe immoral? He was an observant Jew. That was his question to the rabbi. Okay, so, so that's not a question of legalities, meaning it was an error. You're talking about helping a, a company that is, rep, that is uh, their business might be immoral or unethical. Okay, so that's very different than someone who committed a crime, and now you have a question, as an attorney, should I represent them? So we'll, so we'll talk about that, we'll get back to it. Do you hear the difference, David? The, the difference between representing someone who committed a criminal act and representing or helping a company do their transactions with the company themselves. I kind of lost you where you thought Penthouse was immoral. <laughs> <laughs> what were you saying before? You got distracted. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so we'll get to the answer. It's a good, so, so that's, I mean, I don't know. I didn't get to the answer yet. That's the question. That's part of the question is, is meaning as an attorney, am I, should I have an issue representing a company or a person who is uh, doing something immoral, which in our case, let's say, would be racism. Okay, so again, it's not illegal, it might be unethical and immoral. That's the key difference. Okay, so now, so we're going to start from the beginning here. So the first two, actually, by the way, there's two, two other cases, these are scenarios, actually someone uh, consulted with me on. I was asked these questions by a company here in Houston that had, and I remember mentioning this here in the past, but the, their, um, their question was, they deal with a big energy company, and the representative of that energy company, who's a big client of theirs, um, basically is racist. For example, the, the, that representative said they only want to deal with the white person in their company, um, not the, the, I think it was Hispanic, and there was a lesbian who said, I don't want to deal with the lesbian or the Hispanic person, only with the white person, representative of this large energy company. So they came to me, this company, being an ethical company, consulted and wanted to know, are they obligated to say something to this person, or could they do business as usual, or are they obligated to, to say something about it, and risk losing this large client, um, because if they refuse, they say, no, you have to do business with whoever we tell you to do business with. That was their question. Okay, so again, so, large, so this is the scenario. A large client refuses to work with Hispanic and African-American employee. In this case, actually, the real case was a lesbian. Um, of yours, a request to only work with a specific white employee. One is, the question was, are you obligated to speak up in protest? What if saying something risks losing the whole account? So they're obligated to risk their account because they feel the client is racist and making racist remarks. And um, what, do you, what, what do they do? Alan, have you ever had this case? 
just one person in the company that sends business it's usually multiple people and the usual scenario where you'd have somebody who has a racist attitude and sort of slickly says I want to deal with these people but not these people and you realize that they're black you know, the people he doesn't want to deal with that that I've seen and um, the only way to deal with that is if you say, no, I won't represent you because you're a racist or something like that, then you lose the account, but you also lose an opportunity. And an opportunity always comes up when you represent somebody as to, you know, if they get sued for discrimination, if they get sued, or if they just in the, in talking to them, an opportunity to, change, to modify their attitude. And so... Okay. You don't necessarily so have to. It. That's a good point. You don't necessarily have to become your client just because they're an idiot. You're talking about as an attorney or as, as an attorney. An attorney. Okay. Right. So that's true. Yeah, that's important to note. That but it's also an opportunity as an individual. You know, I'm sure that you sat and listened to things that you think are unethical or immoral as a rabbi, but you maintain a relationship because you know as a rabbi you can modify attitudes right, by being On the contrary, as a reasonable. rabbi, I need to speak up sometimes. I'm obligated to speak up. Absolutely. So that's really the question here. Are, are I obligated to speak up even at ah. the risk of losing my client? Okay. Um, that, that's, the, that's the question. When you have a valid point, um, if you can change them, not, that's a key point here we're going to discuss. So that's a very, very valid point. Um, Let, let's say uh, yes. you, you had a donor that gave uh, two million dollars a year. That's different. Now, no, and, and, he was, and he was a racist. Would you speak up? So it depends. I mean, listen, if it's, if it's something that's, if he's doing something well and by me taking his money, I'm condoning his actions, then I, I would have to. Would I be happy about it? No. Okay, so again, so that's why we said before, we're not going to define racism. 
Yeah, but racism does, is an attitude. It doesn't mean you have to hurt someone. The question is, no, do he, we... He does hurt somebody. Yeah, yeah, even the remarks, by the way. That's the problem. It's public no, publicized. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, so that's a different issue. There's two points here, Alan. It's a very good point. One is um, that, I, that I think you're wrong. I may disagree with you. I'll ask you forgiveness later. <laughs> but in the sense of the, that many words are hurtful. This is something that I think that we actually, from racism, we learned. Because we like to say, yeah, words are just words. But I think a key part of Judaism, at least, is, and, and I think it's factual, some, you don't realize the power of words. When someone says something, and it's publicized, and then Donald Stone, uh, Donald Stone, what was his name? Donald? Yeah. yeah. Donald or Ronald? Donald. Donald. Right, so, and this is broadcast on national TV. If, if I would, I would be offended if I was African-American, based on what he said. So, I mean, sure. the people, words do hurt. Um, again, there's limits. very different than actually hurting Hello, someone or not uh, doing business with someone because of their race or color. Um, but, but as far as, the, you know, I wouldn't say that just saying something or having an attitude, it's not hurtful. It could hurt. And it could even, even take away business sometimes. So, so that's important. Okay, so, that, so what's the Torah's view in general on racism? So there's, there's nothing explicit in the Torah that talks about racism. Um, uh, but what I, what I did bring here was many verses in the Torah which talk about, there's a concept called the Haftamatager. We spoke about it a little when we spoke about immigration also. Um, but the concept of, of uh, the Torah says you shall love a, a stranger. Okay, this is actually mentioned, I believe, it's the most often mentioned mitzvah in the Torah. Okay, it's, not, uh, it's mentioned something like 41 times throughout the Torah. And there's a question, by the way, the word, the Hebrew word is ger. Ger could either be translated as convert or ger means a stranger. And depending on the context, it's interpreted in different ways throughout the Torah. But one thing is clear, the Torah is saying whether it means a convert or a stranger, um, stranger means someone who, let's say, is what it's referring to in that context is a uh, what we call a resident alien, uh, resident alien, I think in English, meaning someone who lives in the land of Israel who's not Jewish, a non-Jewish resident in the land of Israel. So the Torah says that you um, that you have to treat them equally. That's the law of the Torah. That someone living in Does Israel. That's different. That's that's a fellow Jew. Here we're specifically talking about someone who's not Jewish. Therefore, there's the stranger in the land. So they're different. The Torah says, if you look at the verses here, it says, um, the sources on page one, it says, and you shall not mistreat a stranger, nor shall you oppress him, for you you are strangers in the land of Egypt. So the Torah explains even why. Normally the Torah doesn't give a reason, but here it's saying specifically. Listen, we've been there, we've done that as, as Jews, we've been through many strange lands, and we've been the stranger in many lands, we still are the stranger, in, in, even in this great country of ours, especially in Texas. Um, so so the, the, but the point is where, where, because we're different, we're treated differently. People, that's human nature. Human nature is someone's different, whether it's the color of their, color of their skin, it's because uh, keep they wear, whatever it is, they're going to be treated differently. Okay, um, people look at them differently, and therefore God says, we, we've been through that, you know that, we know that all too well, that we're treated differently, and therefore you sh we shouldn't do that to other people. Okay, so that's verse number one, it goes on to say, it says, if you, if you do oppress him, beware, for if he cries out to me, I will surely hear his cry. Um, God says, my wrath will be kindled, I will slay with the sword, the wise will be widows, you shall be orphans, not good stuff. So, so, uh, so it's very clear 
Um, by the way, it says not only, it talks about not only emotionally you shouldn't oppress them, more. physically it says you shall not wrong or oppress the ger. Medrash explains you shall not wrong with words, specifically. And you shall not oppress financially. But what's the two different forms of languages there? One is talking about um, oppressing him with words or emotionally, and then also financially. That means you can't discriminate against someone financially because they're a stranger in your land. Again, if someone's a, a illegal immigrant where they're not uh, where they're not upholding the law, or they you know they're violating the law, and by being in the country, that might be a different story. So we're not discussing that aspect, but but the Torah is saying very clearly, oppressing someone just because they're different, because they're a stranger in your land, is prohibited. Okay, and this is something as Jews, I, I once heard a uh, actually a Catholic comedian who converted to Judaism. This was one of his stand-up, uh, one of his acts. He talks about how, you know, every little other thing in the Torah, you know, the Torah says once, don't wear shotness, don't wear wool and linen together, and people are very nervous about it. The Torah says this, like we said, 41 times, do not oppress the, the convert, and that no one uh, cares about. That's part of his kind of serious, but it's, uh, so it's an interesting thing. Again, it's one of the most oft-mentioned mitzvot in the Torah. Okay, so the, the question then becomes, um, what, so what happened? So, so it's clearly prohibited. Okay, and by the way, on the back, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but there's a paragraph discussing um, clearly that also from the verse, first verse in Genesis, when it says God, we were, man was created in God's image. That means all human beings. We don't view anyone who's not Jewish any less of a person because they're not Jewish um, within Judaism. Other religions do. So if you're not, if you don't convert to their religion, um, you're not, you're considered less of a person. Some religions you get beheaded if you're not part of the religion, um, right? But in Judaism, it's a universal religion, and we, we all, Judaism says, just even if, we don't encourage conversions, meaning even if you're not Jewish, as long as you uphold the basic social laws, which we discussed here in the past, seven Noahide laws, you're treated equally um, as okay. anyone else. By the way, that's this law of, of a, it says a, a um, what was the word I used before, a alien, Resident alien, right? That's it says they're only treated equally if they accept the seven Noahide laws, so the basic social laws of do not murder, do not steal, no kidnapping, etc. Um, no beheading. No beheading, right? But if they don't, then then of course they have to be treated. They're not treated equally, so they need they have to keep basic the basic social laws to be treated equally. But if someone does that, Judaism says they don't have to become Jewish. We, we they they can go to heaven. They can be saved. Um, you don't need to be baptized, you don't need to be dumped. You're, you're all good. Okay, so, so are you important. allowed to discriminate against people that don't uphold those basic social things? Yes, I mean, not discriminate, but then that's criminal, meaning that's racist. Torah law. That's racist. No, it's not racism. We're not discriminating against them because of their race or color. We're, we're not discriminating against them. We're, they, they're violating religion. basic social laws. It's like ISIS, someone steals ISIS, something. ISIS, like, ISIS is, if someone steals, someone shoplifts, so we put them in jail. Not discriminating against them. They violated a law, so there's consequences of their violation. It's not discrimination. So if someone violates so the law, to do with, if it's with a whole the, sect or something, it's okay to single out that whole sect. For sure. That's so criminal. ISIS is okay to, to say, hey, they're, they're... Yeah, that's not racist. They're not a race. I If they're violating normal social norms, no social, social laws, of course we can put them in prison. We can do whatever we can. That's not racism. So, what are, are you, right, David, I'm not let going me give it, let me give it. I'm not going there, but you know where I'm at. Let's say I've done business with African Americans. Let's say I've tried it five times. And every time, I get, it just happened. You get the raw end of the deal. <coughs> 
or whatever the race is. Time six comes up and I say, you know what, not this time. For whatever reason, it's happened five times. It's uniform that way. I hate to lump them all together, but your personal experience has been it's happened five times. So, so listen. So you say six times, you know what, I'm not gonna do it again. Can you make that racial distinction? So that's or a very good question. I'm not sure I know the answer. Whether you're gypsy you mean? or whatever it is. <laughs> Come on, I got the same issue. No, I'm saying, so there's, there's a concept in Jewish law, let me explain this concept called chazaka, which means that if something happens three times, let's say a guy bounces a check three times, so then, no, it's meaning you have to give someone the benefit of the doubt, but once they've done something three times, the same thing, then you can, and you can take it as fact, they're going to do it again. Yeah, but you don't want to okay? This is not a person. No, one second. He's saying the next person comes. Oh, okay, so the question is now... I get burned by some, I'm going to be a little... Right, so now if something is a cultural norm, let's say, for example, I, I deal a lot in the kosher business, so we have different rules for kosher that comes from China, companies in China, and kosher than kosher company, the company wants to go kosher in there. <coughs> You know, in Thailand, even because Chinese are known certain business practices, and that's the way they do they do business because they 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 have this is their cultural norm. The way they do business is they lie when you come. They don't necessarily. Mean, that's you know, a racist thing, <laughs> right? So it's known. So, meaning, so for example, what I'm saying is they have. Certain cultural norms oh, that are okay, accepted that, in business practice in China. So, for example, I'm just giving this as an example. So, the kosher industry and in the kosher industry no, is known that, let's say, uh, products, certain products that don't require supervision, but if it comes from China, you know, you can't believe yeah, what's in there, and, and you have to assume, right? No, so, so, there's certain assumptions with Chinese companies now. Is there a certain racism to that? Maybe. But if it's a fact that this is their cultural norm, wow. so then you're not, what I'm saying is, it could be your racist. Yeah, it could be your racist as far as, as, far as, your, as American society is concerned. I'm not, again, I'm not defining racism. Not defining what racism is. As far as the Torah is concerned, wait. As far as the Torah is concerned, what I'm saying is, if something is a cultural norm in a certain culture, then you don't have to lose money. You don't have to do business with them if you're not comfortable wow. with their cultural norm. That's not again. It might be defined as racism so in American American society. He's calling it a cultural norm. That's his cultural norm. He's calling. I'll call it cultural norm. So my cultural norm is to kill people, then it's okay. No, you say it's cultural norm. That's you're missing my point. I want to be. Clear, because it's again, it's being taped. It's being taped. I want to be clear. I'm not defining racism. Could be in American society, you can deem the racist. Maybe the statements I just made also be deemed racist. It's fine. <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is, again, we're coming here from the Torah perspective. From the Torah pers perspective, what I'm saying is, you don't have to lose money. I don't have to do business with someone. Let's say, let's say, let's pick on Chinese people again. If I know this is the way you do business. And their um, and their this is their cultural norm. It's accepted when they say X, they really mean Y. Okay, that's the norm in their culture. So then I don't have to do business with them. That's not a I'm not a racist. I just don't want to lose money. Right? I don't want to I don't want to risk my business. That's not being cool. That's not racist. Is you're not doing business discriminatory. That's the question. No, what I'm saying is I'm allowed to, again, you I don't know Show me one good man, show me five sure good men the whole Surely they're not 100% like that. No, no, they were 100%. I mean, I've got a few honest Orientals to do with, okay? So I know they're not all like that. You've got any technicalities. You've got racist here, man. This is a lightning day. This is my first session. I'm like, really just broader than we are. This is cultural. Cultural. By the way, it's only in business, meaning you're not going to talk about that. You're not obligated to lose money. If, again, if there's what's something called a chazaka, that means it was 
it's the assumption it was done three times. This is the way it's done. They'll ask you, meaning if you ask um, um, a Chinese person, they'll tell you this is the way we do business. It doesn't mean they'll apologize. They won't apologize. They'll say, oh, I didn't mean, you know, of course when I said that, I didn't mean that. that that's the way you have to have a good interpreter. That's why, by the way, kosher companies, when even in China, they won't use a, Ch uh, a Chinese interpreter. When they, that's, that the company provides. They have to bring, we bring our own interpreters to go to a Chinese company. Because again, they're, they're just not trusted. How do you find that there's classes of Chinese students that it's a cultural norm to plagiarize? That's it's accepted there. Because mm -hmm. all that matters is the end product, not how you got to the end product. Yeah, so, so again, so I cheating, don't know. Cheating into those, those norms are okay to do if it gets the product done. Because that's why they're not innovative people, they're more like copying people. They kept product, that, that's what she's saying. Yeah, I, I don't they, know they, they, but she says that's what's in their classroom study. Yeah. Okay, let's not pick on Chinese, only Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the appropriate one, you know. I just want to, you know, I, hope, I don't hope know where they're all going. Asian ancestry. Uh, uh, two related questions. Yes. Well, I can still remember the ones. Uh, what about the, uh, the baker who refused to um, bake a cake for a uh, same-sex wedding? Oh, yeah. And then it was for yeah. and then about the, the Hobby Lobby. Chick-fil-A. Hobby Lobby and wouldn't um, provide uh, abortifacients. Oh, that's a whole different question. That's not discrimination over there. That's an issue of, I have my religious beliefs. I have certain values. This is related to this, but I'm saying that, that's different. Let's say I have certain values, so I can't support Meaning, if I make a wedding cake for a homosexual wedding, and I, that's, you know, it's, I'm, that, let's say, with, for my religion, it's prohibited. Homosexual marriage is prohibited. So then I'm condoning that marriage, so to speak. It's like me as a rabbi, if I officiate a homosexual wedding, so that means I'm condoning it. That doesn't mean I'm, I'm homophobic or I'm racist. The Torah says I can't do this. My Torah says I can't do this. So I cannot officiate. It doesn't make me a, a, a sexist or racist or homophobic. I, it could be I am, but I'm saying that's not. Issue. What I'm saying is not perf not condoning something. What I'm talking about doesn't mean because of my values. That doesn't mean I'm, I'm, uh, I'm racist. Okay, so that's but a different that's question. Right. You're not a racist. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. At least someone supports me. You defend himself. Okay. Okay. So now, so the question becomes: What about do I, am I obligated to protest? So meaning the, the issue is in this particular company where their client is racist. Um, do they have to speak up? That was the question. The question is. Like we said before, let's say we have a national team where the owner made racist statements again, whether they were or weren't. But let's assume, for argument's sake, they were racist statements. Um, so the question is, am I obligated to protest, to say something about it? We as a community or a society have to say, well, we well, even question is going to the game or supporting them in any which way by, so to speak, condoning their racism. Is that a problem? Okay, so, so the, what's interesting is, it's a little known more law. But the Torah, there's an, a biblical obligation. It's one of the 613 mitzvot, which is you have it. If you see a wrong, someone doing something wrong, you have an obligation to admonish them, to tell them to say something. Okay, it's a biblical law. We'll talk about it and, and we'll define it, but it's a clear, it's a verse in Leviticus, which says very clearly, it says, you shall not hate your brother in your heart. Admonish your fellow. You shall not bear a sin on his account. Meaning the assumption is, the simple translation of the verse is, if you don't admonish them, if you don't speak up and say something, 
then it's sort of you're condoning what's happening in a certain sense. That's what the Torah seems to imply. So if something is wrong, wrong is being done in society, and let's, as we said, we're assuming that the Torah does prohibit racism. Racism is wrong again, real racism. Um, so then if someone's doing something wrong, we have an obligation to say something. Again, the question is, that mean have to, doesn't mean he has to sell the team necessarily to know what the consequence doesn't say you have to punish the person, but you have to at least protest and say something. Um, okay, so we'll get to that selling the team, but as far as there is an obligation to protest, biblical obligation. Yeah. In other words, you can't just not do business with them. You've got to pr- actually protest. Yeah, well, if you're not, if you're going to make a statement I'm not doing business with them, or you tell them, they have to, obviously that's a protest. That right. itself is a protest. Um, assuming you tell them why you're not doing business with them. Right. Okay, so, so the question is, so the, clearly there is technically an obligation to protest. This is known in, in the Hebrew, the term is You're obligated to protest your friend. And by the way, this is technically, it's only for Jewish. The, the wording, whenever the Torah uses the word your fellow, amitecha is referring to a fellow Jew. Okay, so, there's, so that's number one. Uh, so technically, well, Sterling was Jewish. Um, is Levinson Jewish or not? The guy, the owner of the Hawks. Yeah, he's Jewish. He's also Jewish. Yeah, okay. Which one? Levinson. Levinson. The owner of the Hawks? He disclosed something. He disclosed that. Yeah, he disclosed that. No, that was Ferry. But the owner disclosed that there was an email in 2012 that he sent which stated that there's too many blacks coming to the game. They're scaring away the whites. Jewish, though. That was an email exchange. That's a statement for football. Yeah. Okay, so, right. so so again, we're not going to define racism. Yeah, we're not. I think he saw how much money Sterling got. Right. Well, that's what they said. Make me something like Levinson. So anyway, so Levinson, so two Jews, so technically would be obligated to protest. Um, technically, so now the, the Rambam codifies this law. Look on top of page two. It says, someone sees his friend transgressing or going down a bad path. It is a mitzvah to restore him to goodness and inform him that he is transgressing through his evil deeds. As it says, you shall surely rebuke your neighbor. That's the verse in Leviticus. Anyone who has the ability to intervene but does not is held responsible for those sins because he had the ability to intervene against them. So meaning again, if you have the ability to protest and stop someone from doing something that they shouldn't be doing and you don't protest, says Maimonides, then you're responsible for the action, effectively, that he's doing. Because you could have stopped it. The fact that you didn't stop it, so then in a certain sense, obviously it's not as bad as committing the act, but in a certain sense you're responsible. Okay? Okay, so, so that's a pretty strong statement. So this is, now what's the three reasons? Oh, so don't get nervous yet. We're going to see that it's not so simple. But there are three, um, three reasons that are given, and this is important, as we'll see, yes? Is, uh, any one of these three, if you say, I know he's going to kill somebody and I don't do anything, am I capitally, am I liable, capital? Again, if you're able to stop him, yeah. then you're in a certain sense, no, you, of course it's not capital punishment, we're not going to kill you, but the point is, but in a certain sense, you're responsible. If, if me as a rabbi, someone comes to me and says, I'm going to kill this person, I need, I need to do something. If I'm able to stop him, I need to go ahead and do that. Okay. Yeah, there, there are, by the way, to disclose, meaning if uh, it's a famous case, the Tarasov case, where it was a psychologist, a, a Psychiatrist in the University of California. You're talking about a medical doctor. Mm-hmm. No, but yeah, but even a psychologist, not a medical doctor okay. per se, has to, if they're, someone in therapy discloses something that they're going to harm another person, they're obligated to, to notify the, the police and maybe the victim also right. um, before it happens. 
A doctor also has to say of a previous crime that was committed, while a lawyer only has to say, correct me wrong, if it's coming, right? That's where we're I believe so, you got to ask the attorneys. I thought if someone says, hey, I'm going to do this, even as a lawyer, you got to go and be like, hey, this guy's going to commit a hurt somebody, you got to, I don't know. Okay, so, so the three reasons given to understand why um, again, there's, and, they're, and they're important for the application of it. One is, obviously, if you can stop the behavior, if you know, and that's what you were talking about before, if you can alter the person's behavior, um, then you need to protest. And that's why he mentioned before that it's sometimes it's better to keep the relationship with the client, maybe because you think you can change their attitudes, so it might be better if you can stop their bad behavior. So that's, a, that's issue number one. The, the second reason given is um, just by the fact that I'm not protesting, that means I'm condoning it. In a certain sense, right? If if I uh, so if I have a congregant or someone you know that I know is doing something, and then, you know I say, oh great, and I don't pro I don't protest the act, say something about it. So the assumption is that I'm condoning that act just by the mere fact that I didn't say it in protest. Okay, so that's well, well, then hold that's silence exactly. Yes. What about reverse? If I'm promoting homosexuality and lesbianism, and you know it's against the Torah, are you you have an obligation then to step in and tell me no, that's not right. Yes, I do, but yeah. as we'll see, there's reasons why. But you have a relationship. It's not even a choice. Yes, if yes, you decide, 100%. If I not you're condoning what I say. But we'll see soon. It's not so simple. But on the surface, what we said right totally, yes, 100%. Oh, because Robert Rosen spoke that homosexual and, gay and gays are okay at Beth Sheeran last two years ago. Two years ago? How come you're picking on the gay stuff? Picking on who? And the gays. Uh, because I don't want to show my true colors. So <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, so number three. So, so we'll get back to your point, Alex. Alex, it's, it's very important. Your point. Don't actually. believe everything. Okay. So the C is um, that you want that the fact that we show that we care about. Meaning, if someone's doing something wrong, right? Say a real a good friend. If you're a good friend of someone and doing something wrong, you need you need to speak up, even though it's uncomfortable sometimes. But if you really believe. A friend of yours is doing something wrong. You want to show that you care about them, and, and therefore stop them from doing it, even though many times it's uncomfortable. Okay, this is important to know before you care. So if I tell you doing anything wrong, it's because I care about you. Okay, so that's so those are the three reasons. So now, what happens in a scenario? And this is this is where it's applicable today. It's very um, very important. What happens if if you know if you're gonna, gonna admonish the person, if you're gonna rebuke them, they're not gonna they're not gonna listen anyway. So what happens in those scenarios? So the Gemara says that and this is very important, very applicable today. Um, if you know you're going to tell them something and they're not going to listen to you, then you're not obligated to say anything. As a matter of fact, it's better many times not to say something. Okay, this is actually uh, very relevant to what you were talking about. Or right, I know as a rabbi, as an Orthodox rabbi, if I go into Beth Israel's parking lot and uh, you know with a sign on Shabbat saying "Don't drive on Shabbat," right, it's not going to. It's not going to help me. They'll probably run me over. Um, that's number well, one. That's Second of all, work on your part too, so I don't know if you really want to do it on your part. How come you? Right. So once I want to finish my point. Let me finish my point. Right. So if I walk into Beth Israel's parking lot with a sign saying "Don't drive on Shabbat" while everyone's pulling out of the parking lot, number one is Graber will probably run me down. Um, number two is probably number two is I probably lose my job and be run out of town on the rail. Um, right. And then and it's not going to change anything. Actually, right? nobody care. You're That's probably true. So, so in the argument that you're in effect one or two people, but they see this and they're touched by it, so I'm not going to drive on Shabbat. Well, yeah, they're going to drive on Shabbat, just not going to go to show anymore. <laughs> okay, so not in, not in Beth Israel. So the point is, 
So should I do that or not? So, so what, what the Gemara is saying, what's codified in Jewish law is saying, it's better not to do that because number one is there's no purpose, okay? And, and the people are just going to take it bad. They'll can actually, they can make it. Can he mavayim? No, never. We're going to talk about that. Never. Saying never embarrass someone. So the point is, if you're going to do it in a way that they're not going to listen, not, not if you're sorry, if you're going to do it and you know they're not going to listen, then you're not obligated to do it. Not only that, it could be it's better not to do it. And the reason being is, because we say there's a concept in, in Judaism which is mutav It's better that someone does an unintentional act than an intentional act. Okay, that's why I always tell people it's better not to come to class because now that you know the law, you have to uphold it. But in, in Judaism, technically, ignorance is an excuse. Okay, so that means if someone doesn't know um, that it's prohibited to drive on Shabbat, or someone doesn't know whatever the case is, right, doesn't know racism is, is prohibited. Okay, according to the Torah. And, and now, if I go and tell him and educate him, now he's going to know. Okay, so now, till now, he was doing the, the violation unintentionally. <coughs> he didn't know it was prohibited. So he was committing the crime unintentionally, the, the sin. Now, by me letting him know, protesting, now he knows it's prohibited. And now he's still going to do it anyway. So now he's doing it intentionally. Okay, so it's much worse. In Jewish law, there's what's called shogeg and mezid. Shogeg means unintentional, mezid means intentional. Okay, as a matter of fact, the example, that I didn't put it here, but I quote the, uh, the Shofana, the, the Gemara says, the, the actual example is, you know, Kippur. Um, there are many shuls, and even in the city, um, as, I'm not going to name names, but that they end the Yom Kippur the same time every year. 6 p.m., Yom Kippur's over, break fast. Doesn't make a difference. Really, technically, Yom Kippur, the fast is not over until Sunday, until after Sunday. But many shuls, uh, you know, listen, people got had enough. 6 p.m., the fast is over. Got breakfast, so that so the shochanach, and this is not a new thing. It's obviously happened uh, in the times of the Talmud already. So the code of Jewish law says, don't say anything to them uh, because it's not going to help anyway. So for me to go into yeah, synagogue, you eat all the breakfast food before you get there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the point is, right? If I go and, and tell them, call up the rabbi and shul, say, listen, how could you do this? It's biblically prohibited to break your fast at 6 p.m. when this fast goes to 7. 24, whatever it is. So it's, if they're not, they're not going to listen to me anyway. So it's better not to say anything again because they're now they're committing the act unintentional. Most people don't know. They think 6 p.m. the fast ends every. They're not, they're not, they don't know. Okay. That'd be different though because you call on the rabbi. Clearly, the rabbi of that shul knows the rules. Yeah. Telling the rabbi versus congregation. You'd be surprised. Yeah, you don't know? <laughs> know the rules, but uh, you'd be surprised. But uh, but uh, you're right. But the point is. Should I protest or not? So the point is, if, if nothing's not going to change anything, so we're saying better not to protest. That's one aspect. The second thing is what Mr. Sin Sr. mentioned, which is there's a way to protest, and this is something which takes a lot of skill. You know, anyone who's a parent knows this, who has teenagers or, or as a rabbi, you're sure, you, you're sure you know this, which is if you say something the wrong way, especially today where people are oversensitive um, and, and hyper-PC, and if you say something the wrong way, you, you lost the person. You lost the relationship, and not only that, it, it could have an opposite effect. So unless you know how to rebuke properly, admonish someone properly, there's no point. If anything, you're gonna make it worse in many scenarios. Okay, especially when it comes to you know PC topics, homosexuality and and uh, you know anything, uh, abortions or whatever it is today, where where or racism, where if you say it anything the wrong way, it's so it's such a hypersensitive topic that you the person will never talk to you. They'll leave the synagogue. They'll never come back again. Okay, so the question is, do I, if you don't know how to admonish someone properly and have the proper skills and do it in the, in the most PC way, like you said, without embarrassing them, so then that's also a problem. It's, it's fascinating, actually, the verse 
they, 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 they talk about it from the verse itself. The verse, if you look at the verse, it says, you shall not hate your brother in your heart, admonish your fellow, and you shall not bear a sin on his account. So one of the other, the other ways to interpret it is, the first way we interpret it was, don't bear a sin on his account, meaning you're somewhat responsible if you don't admonish them. But the other way to read it is, don't rebuke them in a way where you're going to be sinful. It means if I come in the synagogue and embarrass someone publicly, someone uh, in the middle of the synagogue, I get up as a rabbi from the pulpit and I say, there's someone in the synagogue who committed a sin, okay, who committed adultery, and, and she's sitting in the third row, right? So that's, a, that's embarrassing someone in public. And therefore, I'm committing a sin with my rebuke. So you're right, I'm obligated to protest, okay? But if I'm committing a sin, if I'm embarrassing someone in public, so then I didn't gain anything. That, that's what the verse is saying. Do not bear a sin on his account. So if by protesting you're going to embarrass the person and it's not done properly, then better don't do it. Okay? What's the question? Just to restate, I think you might want to say this. This only applies to Jew, on Jew, Jew versus Jew. <coughs> Saying if I, I want to go speak. protest us going into Iraq and that me protesting isn't going to do anything, should I not protest so that? So technically speaking, we're saying this biblical obligation, yes, is only for a fellow Jew. If your fellow Jew is committing, I, mean, I don't have to go to, uh, you know, Christian who's doing something wrong and tell him, oh, you're doing a sin. It's not our, it's not my problem. But society, there is a thing, and I, and I think I mentioned this here before, um, during the, was, I think it was in the early 70s, the Vietnamese boat people were, were coming into the United States, were being turned back by the United States government. And uh, someone that I know told me the story. He went to Moshe Feinstein, who was the leader of, of uh, Jewry at the time, and he asked him this question, as, as a Jewish society, should we go protest at the fact that the government is turning back these people? Same thing that happened in the Holocaust. They, they're not letting these refugees in, and they're going back to Cambodia, wherever they're coming from, Vietnam, and they're, they're being slaughtered. So he said, yes, we have an obligation as a society to protest, as Jews. Who knows if a wrong is being done in society, we should be in the forefront, which we were, the civil rights movement, to protesting. But if no one's going to listen. But he said, well, that's a different question. Well, it worked. The civil rights movement did work. But he said, um, we need to take care of our own problems first. As a Jewish community, then we have a lot of problems within the community. Right? So it was before going ahead and, and protesting, you know, for PETA about the cats being killed, you know, euthanized or whatever it is, or the chickens being slaughtered for caparos. You know, we need to take care of our own problems in the community. You know, we, we have to take care of our own problems. Once we take care of we solve our own problems, then we can worry about the world's problems. So that's the way he put it. So again, we do have technically as a society, we should protest. Okay, so that's an important point. So, so in essence, what we're saying here is, and it's a fascinating quote here. It says, Rabbi Tarfin said, I'd be surprised to find anybody living in our times. This was written again, this was written 2,000 years ago already um, in, the, in the Talmud. It says, I, I would be surprised to find anyone, anybody living in our times who can properly rebuke someone. Elizabeth Azaria answers that he would be surprised if he would find anyone who could properly accept rebuke. So meaning, especially I think, like I said before, today in our hypersensitive society, if you do rebuke, then most times it, it doesn't work, it backfires. Especially when you, you know, you, and you see it all the time, you have these preachers getting up and saying, you know, uh, because of homosexuality, that's why uh, Hurricane Katrina, that's why New Orleans was destroyed. So obviously that doesn't work. It backfires and they look like idiots and, and it uh, doesn't uh, prevent anyone from uh, from doing anything bad, okay? So, so that's a very important concept. So again, the question was applying, let's say, applying it to these cases of racism, of where you know these these teams did the does did the rebuke help? Will it will it help? Does does let's say him forcing him to sell the team because of his racist or alleged racist statements 
um, prevent further racism in, in society? It's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. Is it, does it help? So that, that would be the key question, according to what we're saying. If it helps, meaning preventing further um, owners or, or the NBA in general from being racist, so then maybe it's worth it. And we should uh, protest and, 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 uh, and rebuke the person. But if it's not going to help anyway, Excuse me. So then, uh, you know, that's that's the issue here. Then we're now, we have no obligation to rebuke. Okay, so that's really the issue here. Um, there's another very important issue which I actually found preparing for this class, which I wasn't aware of. Normally, within Jewish law, you're only obligated to fulfill a mitzvah when um, you only obligate to lose. The question is how much money obligate to lose. Like in the case of of clients or. Like you mentioned, let's say the Hawks uh, with Levinson, he was saying financial fact. The fact is, if African American, this was his stating, I'm assuming it's a fact. If African, if there's more, only African Americans coming to the game, so and, and they don't spend as much money. That was his issue at the vendors. So the team's not going to be making as much money. If you have white people coming to the game, you know, in different class, economic class, they'll be spending more money. That's not true. Black people spend more money than white people. Okay, so I don't know if it's true or not. I don't, I'm not. They, I you know, never they read. But, but his point was, it's yeah, in his statement again, which might have been racist, racist or not. He was stating he, he was concerned about the financial aspects of if more black people are coming, they're scaring away the white people from coming to the that's game. Right, yeah. Okay, so is that not a, a truthful fact? So racist or not, right? So again, it's irrelevant whether the statement was racist. The question is, if I'm going to lose money, am I obligated? Meaning, am I obligated to lose money? For uh, um, you know, as well in his case, he's the owner. So, so again, am I am I obligated to lose money over protest? That's really the question that I'm addressing here. Okay, so let's say the, the take the case, the original case with the company that consulted with me. They wanted to know should they risk? Do they have to risk losing their client in order to protest the fact that the client's racist? Okay, that was their question. So in that scenario, so normally in Jewish law, is the the law is that. You're only obligated to lose up to a fifth of your net worth, um, okay, for to to perform a mitzvah. That means if let's say my tefillin f f are going to cost me more than a fifth of my net worth, I'm exempt from putting that tefillin. Okay, I'm exempt from buying tefillin. If by buying tefillin I only have you know it's going to cost me more than a fifth of my net worth, I'm I'm exempt. It only applies to a positive commandment, okay, not a negative commandment, okay. Um, so negative commandment, you have to give up all your all your money, not to violate a negative commandment like murder. Okay, you can't say, well, I'm going to lose money so I can kill someone. No, that doesn't work. But for you positive commandment... 5% is just 20%. What does this apply to? Number 8. A fifth, no, I didn't say 5%. I said a fifth of your net worth, which is 20%. 20%. Okay. Okay, so it's a fifth of your net worth. Um, so, so, obviously that's subjective to each person, their net worth. We're not going to get personal there. But the point is, so so again, <laughs> so so the point is, so again, you're only obligated to lose a fifth of your net worth. But what's interesting is I found this morning, I didn't know this law, I found this law this morning um, in this book. It's called The Pursuit of Justice of Jewish Law. It's written by a, a, an attorney. It's about halachic perspectives on the legal profession. So he actually talks about the scenario of admonishment. He brings here, and I quoted it um, from the Ramah, which is an amendment to the Shulchan Aruch, to the Code of Jewish Law. He says, one is not obligated to spend money to engage in admonition. That means if it's going to cost me money, if, I, if I'm going to lose money by protesting, because let's say in our case you're going to risk losing a client, he says you're not obligated to do that. Thus the custom is not to rebuke violators in situations where one fears that they will commit replies on our body or our livelihood. 
So if I know if I could protest this particular case, um, this person has the effect they're going to post on their Facebook and, and bash my business and ruin my reputation. So technically, I'm not obligated to protest, according to the Ramah. So it's a very interesting scenario, even, even if you're going to lose any money. So risking your clients, so let's say, before we get to attorneys, but in general, if I'm going to, uh, well, attorneys is a good example. So let's say as an attorney, um, if, like you said before, right, if I'm going to risk losing my client, if I say something to him about this, this, this thing that he's doing, whether it's racism or something else, so he's saying you're not obligated to say something to your client, okay, because that's a loss of money. So the Ramah says, again, the Ramah is saying, as long as you're not obligated to spend any money to fulfill this obligation of protest, to admonish someone, to rebuke someone. So if I'm going to lose money, or, or there's a good risk, but it, it's interesting, it does say, and I looked at the commentaries there in the Shulchan Aruch, this say very clearly, it has to be a clear risk, meaning it's just maybe you're going to lose money, that's not sufficient. But if there's a clear risk involved, meaning that there's a, there's a very good chance I'm going to lose this client, and I'm not obligated to protest and say something to the client in that scenario. Okay, so, so that's a very important law to understand. It's different than all other mitzvot. All other mitzvot we're saying is up to a fifth of your net worth you have to spend to fulfill the obligation. In this particular mitzvah, I don't know what the source, where they get it from, but in this particular obligation of, of admonition, what we're saying of protesting, you're saying you're not obligated to protest if it's going to cost you money or, or lose you money. Okay, so that's an important thing. Um, by the way, and we spoke about this before, that in, in halacha, loss of potential income doesn't mean, that's not called loss of money. When we say loss of money, it means you're gonna, he's already an existing client. If you just might lose potential clients because of your values, so that's different. Loss of potential income is not the same as loss of income in Jewish law, so it's a very important difference to be aware of. So what he's saying is, I'm not obligated to lose money, that means if I have the money. So this client is already, uh, he is my client already, and if I know, if I say something to him about his racist remarks, or whatever it is, um, I'm going to lose him as a client, so that's called a loss, monetary loss. But if, let's say, I, I, uh, people know that, um, I don't know, think of, I don't want to get into homosexuality, but something else. You know, I'm, uh, you know, I don't stay, I have certain values in my practice, and I'm not going to allow, you know, certain things. And I, I'm going to lose clients because of it. Okay, so in that scenario, I'm not obligated. That you might be obligated to do. You know, you have to stand up for your values. Okay, and that's really gets to the next question on the back here, which is, what is the lawyer's responsibility? So can I represent, let's say, a team? Let's say I work for uh, the, the Clippers. Okay, I'm, I'm an attorney for the Clippers. And the, the team is racist. I know the owner's racist, the team is racist. They have certain racist internal, uh, um, you know, internal, uh, whatever it is, uh, statements that were made that they're clearly saying we're going to not have, we want less black people coming to our games, we're going to try to attract white people. Okay, assuming that's racist. So, can I, as an attorney, help them? Because again, it's very different, there's no criminal act here. Um, racism is not a criminal act. Maybe it isn't certain if I act out and I beat someone up because of their color of skin, that is, that is a criminal act. But I'm saying, doing, if I choose, I don't know, it might be also criminal, if I choose to do business with certain race or, or I'm discriminatory in my business practices, that's also criminal. I'm talking about, let's say I'm just helping, their values are not uh, my values as an attorney, not Torah values, if I'm an observant Jew. And, and again, so the, let's go back to the Penthouse Magazine case. Okay, so, so let's say I, I, as an attorney, can I help them do business? Penthouse, I'm working there, Penthouse wants to hire me. Um, well, my firm is now, Penthouse is their client. Can I 
being an attorney, rep helping Penthouse do their business, okay? Uh, meaning I'm gonna help them with their contract law, you know, transactions and help them achieve more business by the fact that I'm helping them do their contracts. So should I, as an attorney, my values don't are conflicting with theirs, and, and again, everyone is different, we're not getting present, some values, some people's values might not conflict with theirs. Um, so, so am I allowed to do that? What's the, what would, what would you do in that case? Craig, what would you do? If you, do, if you take that you don't do a mamasagavil by, by introducing him to this particular juncture, that <coughs> you, <coughs> you think that maybe nothing will happen from it. No, but we're not talking about that as well. We're talking about, I'm doing legal business. Everything's legal. Pantas is legal, right, exactly. So yes. so there's nothing illegal, it's free speech, they're allowed to write whatever, but show any pictures they want. But you think it's legal, but maybe... Uh, the question is, according to the Torah, it's not, what they're doing, their values are not uh, are not right. Okay, so that's the question. Can I, as an attorney, as an Whose observant, an observant Jewish attorney... Of the Torah, you'd be winding up that most people in institutions... Okay, so that's the question. Okay, so that's the question. As an observant Jew, do I have to, can I take a client whose values are very clearly not my job? That's the question. What would you say? Very clear. What, what would you say in that scenario? Which scenario is that? Where, where my client's values are clearly unethical in my book. Mm -hmm. um, can I help them do this? Well, they're different than your essence yes. or different than... You say yes. Yes. But, but you have to, but I, but I think you have an obligation to try to uh, shape your client's attitudes through experience, through representation, by... Well, you're not going to change penthouse. They are what they are. They're your client. They're not going to change well, what they do. If you have someone, if you're talking about George Wallace, you know, before he, before he changed, yeah, I, I would say that I wouldn't have done business with someone like George Wallace. Well, he was or even with Donald Sterling. I'm not sure you're going to change with Donald Sterling. You're, Sterling. You're, you're, you're There's some things you know you're not going to change. You can't change. Yeah, but it's, it's not. You're not prohibited under Jewish law from representing George well, that's Wallace. That's the question. If you no. wanted to. That's, right. what, that's the question I'm asking. Right. Okay. That's the question here in the back. Is there a moral responsibility for lawyers to refuse to defend people or companies who don't represent general moral standards? Okay, so again, not nothing illegal. They're, if they're doing something illegal, then obviously the that's illegal for me to represent. Them. Yeah, moral uh, thing to represent. Right, we're talking about if they're doing something unethical, immoral, but which is legal in society, such as penthouse or if you if you wish. Oh, obviously, if you wish, we're not discussing what's the ethical, what's the right thing to do, according to the Torah. That's the question. Is it subjective? Is it my morals? Is it your morals? We're assuming here we all have the Torah. You shouldn't well. represent them, but I mean. What do we assume? You sh what do you say? You should? should not, probably. You should not. Is it possible yeah. because you shame him? You would shame him into a situation which he shouldn't have done it, and then he did it anyway. Again, but you're not supposed to shame conservative Jew, then you couldn't represent any conservative Jews or no, or no, because they're immoral. No, not, yeah, their views are immoral. No, no. we're talking about specifically within their business. That their business. Uh, Why Becky Shorn's immoral? They're practicing business. They're they practicing stuff that is contrary to the Torah. <laughs> yeah. well, it's immoral. No, the point is again doing business. Their business practices are immoral. Are doing something like Their business is Listening, almost <laughs> 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 That's immoral. So According right. to you, the way you view the Torah. So, you're right, maybe. So that means if that's as a rabbi. Huh? So, 
again, first of all, I'm not sure that's immoral. Soliciting homosexual membership, I'm not sure that's immoral. Promoting homosexuality, to best be sure, it doesn't promote homosexuality. They might say it's not. Yes, we, have, are. we have no problem with it in the synagogue. They are promoting all this. Okay, so okay. I'll call Nidre. The rabbis to the. They're promoting it. I'll call Nidre. Okay. But I'm okay with it. No, he said we don't. We won't discriminate against members who are homosexual. He didn't say we should all be homosexual. No. That's very different. <laughs> okay, that's very different. No, no, okay. We should go out of our way to greet them. Okay. Make them feel so that's beautiful. I would say the same thing. He was saying anything. I would say the same thing. Respectful. I said I'm okay with it. But to go out of your way to greet them is a different deal than to greet them. That's the joke. You know that joke with the homosexual rabbi. You know, guy comes into homosexual shul and you know he puts his arms around someone, he hugs someone. The guy says, "Get your hands off the rabbi!" <laughs> 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 so, anyway, so the the answer is because we're out of time. The answer is we're out of time. But the the, the, uh, the answer is that again, there's nothing um, illegal. Again, according to the Torah, with with um, representing someone. No, what I have is you have to apply your values that you represent. Jewish tradition would frown upon, but not prohibit you to represent them. So, meaning, take against Philip Morris. If, if again, if you hold cigarette companies are are immoral, some people do. Um, um, so, so then, can I, as an attorney, represent Philip Morris? So, the the point is again, it's not if their values are not Torah values. So, it's something. We, it's not illegal. I'm not doing anything wrong by representing them, but again, it's, it would be frowned upon to represent a company that doesn't uphold, or that again, their business practices are, in the Torah's view, immoral, okay? That's, How that's can you buy answer. the cigarettes from them? Let's go to a grocery store. Aren't you supporting it when you're... So you're right, meaning what? Buying cigarettes? Buying well, obviously store, all the... the you're buying from the grocery oh. store, you're supporting it that right. What, buying other products? Yes, from sure. Walmart. Sure. Okay, so that's a different question. You're right. I'm not just being an attorney. But since this is a CLE class and we had to get ethics credits, so we need to discuss <laughs> what attorneys, what how attorneys can better their practice. That's why I'm picking on attorneys. But you're right. Technically, when it's not only an issue of attorneys, but if you're supporting, if you hold Philip Morris is immoral, you, you shouldn't support them in any which way. You're 100% right. Yes. So, sorry, that's subject. I don't know this or about like a Bernie Madoff. Could a Jewish lawyer support him, or would that be like, hey, this guy wronged everyone? So again, so if someone did a criminal act, that's a different question. Can I represent someone who did something criminally wrong? They're entitled to a defense. In, Jew in American law, they're entitled to defense, and in Jewish law, they're entitled to defense. So that's something different. Again, going back to your original question, that a criminal act, representing someone who committed a criminal act, is different than to helping a company, an immoral company, do transactions. So I'm helping the Clippers. Get more business because I'm their attorney. That's different than criminal. I mean, that's different than representing a criminal. Here, I'm yeah. helping them with their transactions. Like, like, uh, yeah, I'm going to help them do their contracts. Cheating, practically cheating. No, that's illegal. So that's illegal. that's. But I mean, that's something else. Cheating if they're committing fraud. So that's illegal. Fraud. As an attorney of contact, of course, I can't represent. I can't help them commit the fraud. We're talking that they're not doing anything illegal. They're just doing something immoral. Okay. So that's that. That yeah, was the question. Anyway, um, if I said anything wrong to you, I ask for forgiveness before you come back. Uh, I'm not accepting it. Alan also asked me to ask everyone because he knows he did something wrong to everyone in the room. I'm saying because God didn't want me out there and the devil didn't want me out there. No, he wouldn't find you. We should be an awesome year. I'm okay. Have a good morning.
the MP3 project from the Jewish Ethics Institute. For a complete selection of our lectures, please visit our website at j-ethics.org. Shalom. Thank you.